Hey everybody, it is Fig and Lock Coast to Coast. I am Mr. Fig. And I'm Mr. Lock. We are happy to be back. Uh, we've been away for the last two weeks. Just uh, life got in the way the last couple weeks and uh, we weren't able to come out and cast for y'all. Um, but we're back this week and we have two real fun topics to talk about. Um, before we dive into those, how you doing Mr. Lock? How's your week going? I'm doing good, you know, dealing with this uh, continued war on gas stoves and electric stoves to, you know, Netflix code, you can't shit anymore, to this balloon, a balloon in the United States now, and then you got the Beyonce announcing her tour and the prices are just outrageous. The nosebleed tickets in, like, North Carolina, $600 now, it's like... It's wild, man. And you got you got the this is the week before the Super Bowl, so it's kind yep. of the calm before the storm. We're a Super Bowl of the Chiefs against the Eagles, a highly anticipated matchup. Yeah, this is gonna be a good time right there. And you know, talking you you mentioned the balloon, dude. I, I just love the memes that have come out of the balloon, uh, the balloon situation. Like it's it's times like this, you know, the, the internet always wins, right? Like it, it just you know uh, the memes have been so great. One of my personal favorites it was the uh, is like the is the good night moon riff where it's like good night good night dad good night moon good night giant Chinese balloon like just stuff like that has been so great. <laughs> or, or the one with it's, with it's the Squidward and it's like tick like China collecting your TikTok data and it's like him sleeping and then like but a giant balloon everyone's like all awake and you know he's, he's all woke. It's just it's so great. It's so great. Something where it said, I saw one where it's like, well, Batman knows how to get rid of balloons. They showed a clip of like the original Batman movie of Batman yeah. taking the balloons and flying <laughs> them away. You know, I'm like, well, of course, Batman knows how to do it. Yes, of course yeah. he does. Batman knows how to handle balloons. Yeah, it's just you know, it, it's just so crazy, man. Like it's just, and it's one of those. It's what's the thing. The funniest thing about it too is we we think that you know that we have to be super sophisticated, right, to, like, collect intel. You know, when you start, when you look at spy movies, you know, it's all this Gucci gadgetry and high-end, you know, capability and everything else. And and here are the Chinese collecting, like, spying on us with what is the most antiquated technology on the planet, a balloon. A weather balloon. Yeah, a weather a balloon weather flying balloon. over us, man. <laughs> Talk it's, about... just, it's really fascinating that it, like it like I'm surprised that it was able to actually get over the United States because I've been thinking we would be a little more privy to this stuff because it, it, it just didn't magically come in through like the West Coast like it came through Canada yeah so Canada not like say this and then it just shows up in Billingsling Montana like hold on what yeah. like what is the path of this thing what is his goal. What's this goal to look at? Like, you want to see what? What do we? I mean, we have some like nuclear silos out there in Montana, but what are you really trying to do here? Like, like what? What are we doing here? Is this is this a tact? Is this shock and awe? Is this like a diversion tactic? Something else is happening while we're diverted by seeing this, and everybody and Fox News is the best. Here's Fox News. Fox News says Biden shoot out the sky, and then Biden shoots out the sky. Well, first we're like, why didn't he do it? And he does do it. And they're like, well, why if they release another virus in that balloon? Yeah, I saw <sighs> that. The one congressional representative who thinks there's bioweapons on board. Yeah. It's... Oh, my Lord. Oh, man. Damn you, damn you, don't. But, any rate. Stuff. So, a lot of hilarity uh, this week. Um, but that, with that, though, uh, our two big topics this week, you know, I think um, we've been wanting to talk about The Last of Us for a while now. At least I know I have. I've really been enjoying that show, and I know you've been watching it. We've been talking it up, you know, as we we're leading into the show coming out. So I'm really excited to talk about that, especially given the amount of love that the internet has been showing for episode three. Um, and then... Um, you know, the big news this week, at least entertainment wise in geek world is, you know, James Gunn sat down and released that six minute video kind of detailing the future of the DC universe. So, uh, I'm sure we both got some thoughts on that. So I'd, I'd like to, you know, looking forward to talking about that one with you. Um, and then, uh, so, you know, this is, I think it's going to be, this is going to be a fun episode and we're just going to dive into it. So let's start with the last of us. Uh, I know it's no secret that we've both been fans of the game. We've talked about that. We've talked about our expectations for the show. Um, I know uh, the episode or our episode before the first episode of the show came out 
we talked about expectations, and I know for me, one of my uh, one thing I want to see was uh, how they adapted of adapted the show, and ho- hoping that they take some liberty with the source material. And they did exactly what I was hoping they would do. They 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 filled in a lot of gaps in a very unique and creative way. Um, you know, I think it's great that they didn't just basically make the cutscenes live action. Like we are getting a more holistic look at how this uh, this con- this uh, pandemic has affected these in- these individuals and how it uh, in a more fully in a, in a more fully fleshed out way. So, I in general, I overall I am very pleased with the show. So, but your thoughts, generally speaking, how, how what are your thoughts on the show right now? Right now, please, I'm very pleased with the show right now. Uh, it, it, you could tell if you watch Chernobyl, that's on HBO Max currently right now. A little six-part miniseries about the Chernobyl um, nuclear um, plant. That show, I know they have their input on it because you could feel the despair. It's not horror. You're not. There's no jump scares happening, at least yet. Um, not a lot of that happening. However, that you could tell, you could feel the despair. Um, of what's happening in the show, there's some I I saw like episode one. They tried to do something episode one the very beginning. I wasn't not very very beginning, but like midway to through it, and I didn't like what they were trying to do with that. But beyond that, I've been happy with everything they're doing from the whole Ellie dynamic, Joel dynamic, and why they're doing why they're going across, and it, it, you could tell there, there's a humanized feeling. You could feel like this is Earth. It's not a form, another dimension where zombies have outbroken. Things are happening. Like they're trying to their best to give it a very realistic situation that this could possibly happen. Not sure it could actually happen, but if it actually happened, what the world would be like. And you, it hits, it hits homes. It's it's almost sad watching the show right now, especially after episode three. You feel an episode of sadness to it. Uh, but I'm enjoying the ride. I'm liking Pedro Pascal's very jaded joel he's given off yeah i think one of the things you mentioned you talk about the you know it hasn't really leaned into the horror aspect i think that's been actually one of its strongest pursuits like in, in episode two um you know you get a taste of it right they, they're in the in the museum and they've got the clickers around them uh so you get a little bit of that that heightened tension um but i like that it's really about the human drama i think what separates this show so well from the walking dead for example is that you know, The Walking Dead was very much it was new to them, right? Like, you know, he you know, Rick wakes up in the hospital one day and now there's zombies. And everything is new. Everything about that show is that like it's it's in the wake of the crisis. Whereas what's great about this show is it's 20 years after the outbreak. So people have been living with this for some time now, right? Like, you know, it's not what's scary about the you know it's it, as opposed to Walking Dead where the zombies in themselves were scary because they're they were new and no one knew how to deal with them and you know they're uh, you know but here people know how how to how to deal with the with the infected they know uh, at least in the, in, and I know in the, in the show they don't do the fungal spores thing but in the game like they know to wear gas masks and they know that like there are certain areas that you need to avoid and. Like they've been around for a while, so it's not like they know that they need to be quiet and that they use echolocation. So that I think that's what's what's so great about the show. Also, in Walking Dead, right? Like there was this optimism that they had about human interaction that eventually begins to change, right? Because you know they in Walking Dead when they ran into other people, they expected other people to treat them like they would in a in a world with laws and with government. Whereas in this case, it's 20 years have has since the outbreak. They know that other people are dangerous. They know that there are bandits out there. They know that you know people can't be trusted. So as opposed to where Rick has to learn that, you know, here Joel already knows that fact. In fact, in this case, when, when, like in Walking Dead, what we see with the characters is that they learn to become hardened by the nature of the fact that. The, the 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 world they live in whereas in this case joel is hard and has to learn to soften over time with the introduction of ellie so i you know so um you know that's one of the things i think the show does really well and because of that because 
they've been with, living with the infected for so long. You don't need the horror aspect. It's more about the human drama, which I think is very, uh, which I think is great. Um, I don't know thoughts. I mean, you're. I think you hit it, hit the nail on the head with that one because it's it's definitely. I think we will see a softened Joel, or if, I won't even say maybe softened Joel, but like a Joel that's going to believe in some sort of humanity. Because right now he's not believe. He don't believe in. He has no hope in humanity. He's very much a loner. Uh, people want to talk to him. That one guy tried to talk to him, and he kind of like threatened to punch dude in the face. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, if he came up to him and looked to him, it's like he's extremely hard and even in stream like other conversations, stuff like that. And Joel's smart, and I respect it because you gotta do what you gotta do in the type of world. But um, it's gonna be interesting because we're only at three episodes in. We got like seven more left, so I, I can't wait to see what they're gonna turn out and look like. Uh, I do like the, uh, like you said, they straight away kind of from the video game. They're using the video game lore and the stories as their foundation, but they're creating more nuanced story with everything else with it. And that's nice, especially with like the last third episode three, episode three with Bill and stuff like that. You kind of, you know, that was pretty much their episode that joel and ellie kind of was kind of secondhand in that episode and you got to kind of learn more about this area and their life and how they're dealing with it and every episode and, and that i think that's the theme of every episode too because every episode not theme but every episode has that dynamic where hey you get to see how different parts of the world deals with this in the past so you're not just we're just jumping to the future and it's happening because now it kind of gives me hope that if they keep doing that that Season two won't be as rough as this video game style. It actually might be kind of good. Yeah, it might be kind of good because it's like they could be like, well, this one they did in the video game, but we're going to do this because we want the story to still kind of go this way. Yeah. They won't get all the way to the West Coast probably by the end of season one, it feels like. Yeah. And so, you know, what having, you know, watching the show made me want to go back and play the game again because I wanted to kind of. I want to not necessarily compare directly, but have an idea of how close it, it emulated itself to the video game and where it differed. So I, I, so I actually went out and I purchased the um, the remake for PS5, which um, is beautiful on the PS5. I mean, of course. the the yeah of course. the visual rendering and the the smoothness of the gameplay is so awesome on PS5. But what I mean, um, since since you mentioned episode three, let's talk about episode three. So, you know, one of the things I thought was great, because I, I never, you know, when I, I actually, so I've actually got to a point where I've, I'm, I've, I am one or two steps ahead of the show, right? So I've completed point parts in the game that allow me to, like, know now, okay, here's what the game did, now here's what the show did. And when it came, when I, when I knew they were coming to the point with Bill and Frank, I was excited about that because, you know, in the video game, there's you get some subtle clues as to their relationship but nothing nearly as like direct or as apparent that it was a like a a gay relationship right like in the game like you know that he had a friend that was close to him and that was surviving with him you know that they that per that they had a falling out and that person left and there's some anger and there's some angst about it um, and then you you find Frank dead in the game. He's hung himself after being bitten. And then you find and you find the letter, and it talks about Frank being angry at Bill and how Bill was like stubborn and wouldn't go out, and he wanted something different for his life. And at no point did I ever connect the dots that there was a potential like like love it, like intimate relationship there. And then. And even and still, like in the immediate cutscene following those events, when they're in the truck driving to Pittsburgh, she finds a Playgirl magazine, and it never occurred to me that that Playgirl magazine belonged to Bill or Frank. Like it just, and I never connected those dots in my head. So that when, so, and I don't think many gamers did either. So when you get to episode three, and they just have this very overtly gay, beautiful gay relationship. I was like, wow, this is really a really interesting interpretation of the source material because you never see it. You know, you never get to know what that's about. And just to see how it unfolds and how how lovely and heartwarming it is and 
you're only with these characters for 45 minutes, but you've lived a lifetime with them. It, I, I just thought it was beautiful. Like, absolutely. And it, it, that scene, that whole episode part right there was funny, especially the tie-in of, like, Frank telling him, like, oh, well, we, we have friends. We're going to invite friends over. He's like, we don't have friends. This is, yeah. it's just us. What are you talking about? And that's when Joel appears with Tess, and you're like, Oh, so that's how they, you know, this is 10 years ago. That's when he meets them, and Joel's giving Bill the rundown. You could tell, like, they're kind of the same in a yeah. sense, and Joel's kind of like, look, uh, your defenses aren't good. Uh, Bandit's going to come and get here. They're going to tear you down, and, you know, you need to be ready. And I can help you if you help me. And that's that's the whole connect that they've – he's always had that mutual relationship with them like that and that's pretty good i just found funny on the show because it's like i i think that frank was kind of like you know this guy's got the whole setup he's got warm food hot water (laughs) electricity and wine um yeah whatever you need me to be to be here i'll be whatever i need because there's nothing good out there there's nothing good out there. I'll I'll do whatever you want me to be. I'll be whoever you want to be. <laughs> I kind of made that. Fun. I I thought that way. That's but actually like, all right, actually... to think about it. Uh, I mean, I guess I always assumed that he was always gay, but it's an interesting way to look at it. Like, I'll be whatever you need me to be to survive. You know, because I get to have my ten minute hot shower and my yeah. I get a I get a nice roof on. I get a nice roof and head. You gave me clothes. You gave me food. I have wine. Like I didn't picture them being gay and i'm watching my wife at first i was like well we're, we're watching together and i'm kind of like you know in that future uh, is there really it, i mean sexuality 20 years in the future it, it really wasn't but i'm thinking like if you're dealing with the this pandemic that wipes out this much people and the survival is everything day to day is sexuality really still a thing you know, you're just kind of like, you're pairing up with who you love. Hey, I love this person. He's my friend. And I guess they found him, you know, and they're helping each other needs. Because they didn't do anything. They weren't overly, you know, uh, homosexual. Um, no, no. Like, they had a kind of a, they had like a scene. They had a scene where they kissed here and there. But beyond that, they didn't do all that. They held hands a couple of times. But beyond that, you know, they were just essentially roommates. They watered plants. They hung out. They drew, they drew paintings, and they lived. They survived together in his neighborhood, which was very reminiscent of me thinking of The Walking Dead. Since you mentioned it, of like when the governor had his little neighborhood. Oh yeah, that's what I remember. Of. I was like, this looks just like it. Like versus this is Walking Dead. People they would have filled this whole place up with people. And said in this movie, in this show, they're like, we don't allow nobody here. Yeah. We're going to survive this entire town to make sure we're safe. So it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, and the only thing I would say is, like, I think there, I mean, there's a tenderness, right? Like, even though, yeah, there weren't, like, they, I mean, they were, they were, I think what I thought was great about the show, the way they portrayed it, is that they're just a couple, man. Like, you know, I mean, because they did it in, like, what, five or ten year increments, right? And at every point you meet them, you meet them at a point that's very logical to where they're at in their lives, right? Like, you, like, obviously, the first, like, when they first meet, it's going to be, I mean, a little hot and heavy. I mean, you know, they, you know, but then like the second time you meet them, they're having an argument. They're having a fight, and couples have fights. You know, and like they they have they, they have differences. And but then the third time you see them, like there's that like that moment in the strawberry garden where he talks about like I was never scared yeah. of anything until I met you, and that's you know that that just that that beauty of, of like coming to a place where like you're just content, like you're really content with what with who you have. And then that final episode where he's like he's dying of cancer, or that final moment when he's dying of cancer, and and it's weird because, like, when he was like, I want you to marry me, because we've become, become so accustomed to, like, you know, gay people being able to marry each other now, I forget that, like, 20 years ago that that wasn't the case, right? Like, I mean, in 2003, when the pand- when the crisis happens in the show, gay marriage is still a contentious issue. It's not legal, and it hasn't been recognized as legal yet. So I forgot that for a moment. So when he was like, I want you to marry me, I was like, why haven't they married already? I mean, they've been living together. Oh, shit. Like, when they meet, like, the idea of mar- being mar- too mar- married is completely foreign to them. I completely forgot I, com- I completely forgot about that fact. Um, so it was also kind of, the show also kind of reminds you, well, like, in their world, 
you know, these things, these events never occur. It also, it, it, it parallels how we live and shows and reminds us how far we've actually come, which I thought was, was kind of, was kind of interesting. Uh, now, the only thing that I have to throw cold water on in this situation is I'm calling slight bullshit on Bill. So, first of all, the house is gigantic. It's like Kevin McAllister sized house, a big house. Yeah. One man live. One man lives there. He's a doomsday prepper, or as he called himself, a survivalist. Yeah, yeah. This giant generator in the backyard. What the hell? I thought it was going to be like a small little, like couple small ones. No, it's this like industrial strength generator with a little like tarp over it. I'm like, what the hell? Like, it, it, I'm surprised one of his neighbors didn't rat him out. Like, this guy is the guy you need to get. This guy. He's hiding somewhere because, I mean, he had his his basement was so huge. He had every gun possible. Even Ellie pointed out. Ellie's like, he got one of every gun, it looks like, possible. You know, it's it just do. What did he do for a living? What was his life pre the pe- like pandemic? Like, what did he do for a living to afford this? Yeah, he was really well prepared, you know, extremely. And, I mean, I get again, I was thinking in the context of the show. Right. So it's 2003. So it's post 9-11, and I do remember, like, the early 2000s, like, doomsday prepping became kind of a, a thing. Because I remember that's when, like, the like I remember, like, in the mid-early the mid early 2000s, you started getting, like, the shows like Doomsday Preppers and stuff like that. Where it, I used to watch that. Yeah, it, it, it started becoming a thing. So I, I get – but I, I do feel like he was way more prepared than I would have expected at that point, right? Like, I feel like if the pandemic had happened in, like, 2008 – after the financial crisis has happened, and like there's like I mean, there's been a few more crises that are a little closer to home. Yeah, you know, maybe you like that prepared, but, up, yeah. But, I mean, 2003, like <laughs> I, I was like, wow, he's really been he, he's anticipating the end of the world for a while now. So, but he just knew like go to the little gas place. He knew exactly which one yeah. turned the gas back on. He just knew. I'm like eh, it's a little too convenient, I guess. I'm like all right, we gotta. We don't got an hour long to tell this story, so I guess you have to speed some stuff along, Nick. You know, I get everything you want. Yeah, because I mean, but I'm like, because like, eh. like 2003. I mean, I, I think about the the climate we were living in back then. You know, I mean, it was all counterterrorism. It was you know counterterrorism, mm-hmm. and and that the terrorists were a threat, and they could potentially bring like you know you know weapons of mass destruction. But but we never imagined a, a we never imagined global annihilation on the scale like we did in the Cold War, right? Like. You know, because the Cold War had ended. We actually thought that, like, where we're at today with Russia and China, we, we thought that was all going to be gone. We, you know, we thought we'd be a more peaceful society and we'd all be partners and working together. I mean, Russia was not an ally, but they worked with us on a lot of things. And so, I, I, like, so I, this idea that I need, like, a massive bunker in the basement that's hardened and ready for, I, I, you know, I, we, I don't think we were there yet in 2003. So you you bring up a good point when it's like, man, you're really prepared, <laughs> like ridiculously Very prepared. Very prepared. Exactly. Now, to be fair though, the episode does show him going to like the hardware store and getting more supplies and kind of building things up. Like, but he does. He still is. He's got cameras. And he's got. He's got like his you know monitors and everything else. So. Yeah, and then he builds that big old security fence around the entire place. So you're like, fuck, man. Yeah. <laughs> who yeah. are you? What do you? Who are you, sir? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. So yeah, um, but uh, you know that's enough of this because um, it's like I said, it's a great show. If you're not watching it, um, I'd recommend you watching it. HBO once again has got a banger, and this is it. Um, as we're gonna slide into the next subject, the subject I've been waiting for for a very long time is the James Gunn announcement on the DC slate. You know, um, so. This year in 2023 here, we have four movies. He released it. You can catch it online. All you can see on Twitter or whatever you media is. And it's like a five-minute long video. And he goes over to Slate verbally. Um, and he explains kind of how he sees it, essentially. He's giving his opinion, just raw opinions. Like, you just tell he's, like, freestyling, in a sense. And some of the things he says really kind of... Uh, some things I kind of point a little closer, like, whoa, wh- why he said it like this? And why me like that? Because you sell certain things are passion projects, like some things he's super excited about. And he's putting his way foot in and other stuff he's just kind of doing. 
Now, we have to understand that James Gunn is James Gunn. He's not going to give you the run-of-the-mill stuff because he's the guy that gave you Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy, I didn't know who the hell they were until they came. Right? I was like, oh, these people, Star-Lord, is that like the Jammers from X-Men? No, they're not. Um, you know, I had, I know who they were, and then now he made three movies with them, and including other runoff, those characters popping in other uh, Marvel films. So, you got the slate this year, you got Shazam, which means nothing. It just means yeah. nothing. Yeah. It just means nothing. Thanks a lot. That comes out in March. Then we got The Flash, which, when he said The Flash, he threw in... The Flash is a wonderful movie. So apparently, he's seen this movie already. He's already seen it well, I, in a rough cut. Yeah, he, I mean, he, he like he is he is jazzed about this movie. He likes it a lot. Well, I, I think too. I mean, I hope he has seen it because I mean, you gotta figure. I know he mentioned that it's gonna reset everything. So he, I mean, if that's the case, he has to have seen it. He's gonna endorse it. I think they're leaning a lot on it. Um, so, okay, yeah, uh, I'll accept that. It makes sense, but uh, continue. You got Blue Beetle that comes out in August. That's He's going to direct that film. Uh, we've seen no trailers. We've seen a poster of it, of this stylistic Blue Beetle, and this character is going to be a previous DCEU character because it's going to come out this year, so it's still the old DC universe, but he's going to carry into the new James Gunn universe. Um, so it's kind of hard to tell how this character is really going to play out or how he plans on using him. And then lastly, which is kind of shocking, not in the sense the movie itself, Aquaman um, in the in the was it the Lost Kingdom. It's uh, it's how he said it. Like when he says it, and if you watch the video, he literally says it as like a running sentence. Like, and you got a Lost Kingdom come out later on, and it's just like. You can't give it. That's a good film. It's gonna be a nice looking film. It's good. It's just like, eh, yeah, I got you got Aquaman, and it's kind of weird because if you look online, there is a picture, not picture, but actually a video of Jason Momoa finishing an interview, oh, a, a conference, I guess, with James Gunn and the other guy. I can't think of his name. That's the creative controller of DC, and he is psyched, like he is like pumped, jazzed about his future in DC. He's like, I my future in DC is awesome. So like. Is Aquaman considered to be dead, or are they going to continue using Aquaman in the future? Like he's he's still going to keep his role and go forward. Because what makes me think that is now the other films in this slate, which Marvel has phases, uh, DC is going to use chapters. So in the next eight to ten years, we're going to get these movies here, and Chapter One is Gods and Monsters. So you got Creature Commandos, which is going to be an animated cartoon. I'm assuming it's going to be a more of a violent R-rated cartoon of the same elk of the Harley Quinn show. Uh, you got Waller, which is going to be a live-action series, which is going to be a spinoff kind of from Peacemaker. So it's going to be in between Peacemaker Season 1, after Season 1, and then before Season 2. And I guess Waller is going to be in some trouble herself. And that is very telling because James Gunn is not necessarily firing everybody from DCEU. He's just picking and choosing who he wants to use. Okay, Which, so... You know, I, he's allowed to. So, you know, without recapping the entire the, the, the entire uh, video, because I think a lot of people have seen it at this point. I'm, I'm, so I, I want to ask some questions about ge general impressions. So I guess my first question uh, would be, does... As simply as I can put it, do we think there is a plan, a cohesive plan, after that discussion? Yes. Okay. So I think I, I would concur. It seems that there is a plan. Now, the second follow-up question is, does the plan make sense? And the reason why I, I, I asked that question, because, I, I, again, so I'm, I'm, looking at the, 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 I'm looking at what he put out. And you know, I, I don't know where they're going with this. Obviously, I don't know what's in, what what the big the major story they're getting that they're trying to drive to. I don't know what the big picture is, but I look at it and I go, there. 
so there's some very specific characters that we know we're are getting films, right? We know we're getting the Flash, and you meant you mentioned, and we know we're getting Aquaman two. But all those people don't matter. We're gonna get we're getting a Superman film, and we know we're gonna get a Batman film, right? Superman film he is writing currently, currently right, right exactly. now. Exactly, and they mentioned that there's gonna be we're gonna get Batman, Brave and the Bold. You know, they talked about him and with Damian Wayne. It's so we know we're, we're getting these. We're getting these. We're getting back these big characters. But then, in the peripheral of that, we get are getting some other characters who I would argue are not have never really been incremental or major shapers and movers in the universe. Right, like Booster Gold, always been kind of a tertiary character. Blue Beetle, always been kind of a tertiary character. The Authority, never even heard of them, but okay. Um, and then uh, Gods and Monsters, you know, and that whole gang, right? Now, and again, you're, I think you hit it right in the head, right? James Gunn is very good at finding, like, characters we don't know much about or maybe have never even heard of and doing a lot of very unique and wonderful things with them. And, I mean, Peacemaker, like, I, I mean, what he did with Peacemaker uh, was was absolute art. Like, I mean... Uh, who knew you could care about a racist misogynist character with a heart of gold, right? I mean, he just it it uh, he did a really nice job with that. But I, I look at the character, the, the, these projects that they've selected, and I I start and, I, and I, in my head I'm like, how do the like I'm trying to figure out how these characters link together, right? Because and I, again I, I hate to compare one to the other, but I think about Marvel how they rolled it out, right? Like. It was very clear that they were assembling the Avengers because it was Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, you know, um, and and then you got and you, you got uh, Scar- um, you got uh, Black Widow, and then you got Hawkeye, like who they, Black Widow. they got they got introduced in there. So it was very deliberate. You knew you were walking toward the Avengers. You, like you didn't necessarily know what the threat, big threat was going to be, but you knew you were walking in that direction. And you can and you can kind of forecast out what was on the horizon. And then what was great is at the end of Avengers, you got the Thanos cameo, which then painted for you an idea that oh, we're working toward Infinity War, like in the Infinity Gauntlet. Like, so there was like a this. It, it became very clear what the plan plan was right away. Um, whereas here, I, I look at the rollout of what they're doing, and I'm like, I'm how are these characters interacting? Because last time I checked, you know, I mean. Uh, I mean, we are going to get the Lanterns, which they're part of the Justice League. We're getting Flash, Aquaman. Obviously, they're part of the Justice League. There's this other show they're going to do that takes TV place series. on Paradise, uh, on Paradise Aquaman Island. Aquaman and Flash do not count. Oh, that's that's fair. But 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 then like we're getting, we know we're getting that. That's gonna be a TV. Uh, that's gonna be a TV series. Yeah, we're getting that Paradise TV series, which we know it takes place on Theramascara. So and he didn't even mention Wonder Woman at all in there. So I'm, that makes me curious to know what Gal Gadot's future is. Like, nope. um. So I was like, I, it, it didn't seem to me like we were walking toward the Justice League, which has always been DC's big premier superhero team, right? Like that's like that that's that's their Avengers, um, you know. So I'm I'm worried the plan doesn't make sense. But again, I'm not the. Uh, but that's my perception. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? Well, my thought is that this is a plan where everything the the rollout of all these like um, shows. That he has a total of like eight of them. Yeah, no, it's ten. There's ten between shows and movies. It is the timeline in it is 2025. Like the Superman movies will be 2025 July, and the rest is supposed to come around ish that time. I think it's too early because I think the complaint we had before, and I think we've said this before in a podcast, talking about this, this about Suicide Squad, is that. It went too fast. Where there was no developing. We're just going from we, we we talked about it. We talked about this actually, especially with Batman vs Superman. We're like we're rushing into it. It's like here we are. It's already Batman vs Superman already. And we need to establish this new Batman. Batman's established in this all the world. We're just going too fast. So James Gunn's letting it breathe a little bit more. Yes, I think there is like I understand the skeptical skeptical how you be skeptical here. Um, the Wonder Woman, uh, it's that Lost Worlds thing, whatever, Paradise Falls or Paradise Fall in or something, where it's supposed to be a Game of Thrones, Amazonian story. That's what he wants to do with that. He did say that, he said, the screen, a la HBO Max, or HBO or Do Not, you'll see them on the big screen. 
written to to animated animated series will carry over to the big screen to like live action, which is interesting as well. So that's interesting for the Creature Squad because like the Creature Squad, like some of these with some with Waller, um, the Batman uh, using an older Batman that has his son. They're going to do a younger Superman that he's writing the script for. There's a Wonder Woman film. He's taken right from the comic books, too. You're a comic book guy. And he's taking the story right from Wonder Woman, the comic book that will be intergalactic war. She will be more of a jaded superwoman. So I, I think it's okay that I don't know what the big bad is now. And I think I have we have a lot more time to figure out who and what they're doing with the big bad because I have faith with him that the big bad is going to be something intergalactic. Zack is not good at intergalactic stuff. And I understand that. You know, so we didn't, we never got there in a story. Zack was trying to go through fast. He was trying to make these movies really long. Like, you know, that's not how James Gunn does things. So I have faith that he has a plan. And like I said, it's an eight to nine, it's an eight to ten year plan. We're not even year one yet. You know, we're in year negative one because it hasn't even started yet. We haven't even seen anything yet. So we have time. So it's okay. Let, let these shows breathe a little bit and see what they shape up to be. I just, I'm just, my mind was more blown when he made the comment that the Flash movie was a masterpiece. This movie is a great film. He he mentioned that. He could set the Flash and not gave it any type of pub that it deserved because we had our podcast about that and he decided to reach out and be like yeah it's good so i'm interested to see what this masterpiece is going to be like of a film that is going to be the citizen kane of dc here that's going to somehow bridge us into this new world because it's going to kill off the dc but, but would he but would he would he say anything else but the fact that it's a good film i mean at the end of the day he still has bosses and he's still going to be a hype man for for Warner Brothers projects, so I mean, yeah, I, I, I am assume, I hope that it's good. I want it to be good, but at the same time, I don't know if him saying it's good is any is as strong is a major endorsement because I, I mean, he still works for Warner Brothers and he still needs to get people asses in seats and make money. So I, I would hope that he would say it's good. Um, you know. And Aquaman, I mean, I don't know. How, I know they they're in filming, but there's there's not a film that can yet. So to, I know you mentioned that you, you thought it was interesting. That he just kind of like it was a run on sentence. But the month, I mean, the movie is in development, right? So there's you know what can more can, what can you say about it other than the fact that way we're it's in filming and it's in progress and it's going to happen. Um, but you know, I mean, so uh, so expectations aside, or you know whether or not the plan makes sense aside. You know, I'm not worried about the big bad. I just think it's. I just think the choices are interesting, um, as far as how they're. Oh, gonna, of course uh, they are. Booster gonna... Gold is Booster Gold itself. Like, he, I I see Chris Pratt coming back for this. Chris Pratt's coming in, loading Chris Pratt. Uh, Booster Gold, it, it's happening. Uh, Swamp Thing's gonna be a horror flick. Um, that I'm actually meant... kind of interested in. I I love Swamp Thing. I love the idea of it being a. I I love the idea of Swamp Thing actually being a horror. So that. That actually really caught my interest and made me excited for that. I actually would like to see that moved up because I think that'd be a lot of fun. But and what also excited me is the idea that he's not just he's not hogging DC either because it's DC Elseworld stuff. So like he's still letting the Batman continue on, letting Matt Reeves do his thing. You got the Joker film coming out um, next year, the Joker film part two. So, so here's the thing. So, yeah. So, actually, I want to ask about that. Is that a good idea? Uh, I think it's interesting that they're still. I mean, that they're letting those projects happen, and I feel like that is a studio decision, and it's not a gun decision. Because I, I, I have a feeling that the studio said, "Well, you know, I, I bet you if Gun had it his way, those projects would go away." And I think the studio is like, well, they made lots of money, and Joker and, and Joaquin Phoenix did. Did he? I don't know if he won, but he got definitely got nominated for an Academy Award for that film. Yeah. But I feel like that's the studio saying, "Hold on, James, you can go build your universe, but we're gonna keep these going because they made money." Um, and uh, so I, 
I think that it's a huge distraction from the project. I I, I guarantee I, I have a feeling that James probably might. I have nothing. I have no way of determining this. I have nothing, no factual basis for this opinion. But if I had to guess, I think he thinks it's a, distra- a distraction as well. You know, um, just uh, so. But what, what are your thoughts? Like, do you think this is a good idea that they allow these movies to continue to be made? Yes, absolutely. I think it's great because it's a it because they're he's putting it under the disguise, uh, not disguise, but under the label of Elseworlds. So it was like DC Elseworlds because I I think it it frees up more ideas. That all right, James, you still could do your thing, and you have this is your slate of movies. We get it. And these movies are other great ideas. We don't want to... They're opening it up because one thing that DC animation was always really good about, and that's where they kick ass. They kick ass with different ideas. If you look at the HBO Max DC animation films, all these different ideas for Batman, all these different ideas for like the Justice League and the Justice League Dark and this, that. Cool. And they're not all connected films. You know, there's just different scenarios and different stuff. They're different stories. So you're giving me more stories. The idea that there's going to be possible right now in talks of a Black Superman film. Yes, please give me more. Uh, Joker film part two. Not so excited because Joker one was kind of a sad time. And I'm not sure I want to just more sad time walking Phoenix doing his thing. But who knows? And supposedly Lady Gaga. Uh, the Batman Part 2? Matt Reeves? Yes. The Batman was one of the best films I've seen in the last, like, year. Wow, you need... It was a great film. <laughs> look, look, look. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, when it comes to action, it's great. And then we're supposed to also... And you're talking about also the Penguin. So the Penguin's under that Elseworld, like, guys as well. You got the Penguin show coming on. HBO Max sometime this year as well. So that's part of the Matt Reeves universe. I'm totally good with that. I think DC should do that. And that pays competition. Competition's good for the marketplace. You know, people complain that Zack Snyder had too much control on DC. And these films are too long and too dark and blah, 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 blah. As soon as they opened it up, whatever, they made a great Aquaman film. They made a great Flash, a great Aquaman film, great Wonder Woman film. Because you open up the marketplace. Open up the fucking marketplace. Dude, you know I, what I mean? I mean, competition is good in the marketplace, but not inside your own company. Like Coca Cola doesn't compete with itself. You know what I mean? Like kind of, kind of, because Coca Cola and Sprite are like they're. It's like yeah, you can make all the different type of cokes, Coke Cherry, Coke is that whatever, Coke Vanilla, and all stuff, whatever. Sprite, Sprite, man, and it's like so Sprite, the Sprite side and the Coke side, they're trying to compete. In the same umbrella, but Coke at the end, Coca Cola, the company's going to win, you know. I and I'm oh, all man. for I just, it. I just, I tell you, man, like I just, I think it's a distraction from the story, especially how and what story. Here's here's the situation, right? And this is where I, I think you're going to bump into something. Is again, I don't under, I don't know the timeline. I don't know. The, and the let's assume for a moment that Joker does well, so they're going to decide to make it another one. Let's assume that Batman Two does really well, so they decide to do another one. The timing and the the timing and the release of those films now has to be thought about and deconflicted with say like Brave and Bold, because if you're not because I mean, because Gunn said it himself, he wants the same actors throughout, right? He wants like if you're a voice actor in an animated show, like you're going to be the actor on the live action version. Okay. Like he he said that he's like I want yeah. there to be continuity, I want there to be consistency. So now, if you have Brave and the Brave and the Bold with Batman and Damian Wayne's Robin, but then you've got the Batman, Matt Reeves, the Batman, and they're not, and they're not this. At least one, like one, is not meant to be the earlier version of the other, or they're not linked in some intricate way. They're not linked at all. Exactly, that's my point. Like, and, like it's one thing. It's like okay, maybe, he's, maybe he. This is young Batman, and the Batman is older Batman, but they're the still they're the same Batman. But that's not what the, what they're at least to my knowledge. That's not what they're doing. So I think so. You have to like you have to find a way to deconflict those those in the those entities in the mind of the fan base. Now you that's and what I, I were Elseworlds. Right, right again, but are you gonna? Does that mean like when you as you, like like for example when the opening credits you're gonna get. 
a DC Elseworlds title and you're going to yes. get a DC title? I mean, yes. okay, I guess like you will. I just I don't know. I just think it can, I think it confuses what they want the overall narrative that like under under after. DC Elseworlds, it's also like it's shown that like the CW Superman Lois shows there and uh Teen well, yeah, because, Titans but, Go, because which is a are, cartoon for kids. Right, because those things are already those things are happening, right? They're the, the, and they they're happening. They have an audience. They make good ratings, so they're gonna again. And they can be canceled. I, and that's that's the thing. I think this. I but think they won't. That, but here's the thing. I think this is again. That's a studio decision. That is Warner Brothers saying, "Hey, this show makes great ratings. Uh, we're not. You, you can't get rid of it. So like the the so the solution was it's it's DCL's worlds." But again, I think that if you if if you got James Gunn in a private room and had a private discussion, I again I have no way of knowing this, uh, but I have a feeling he he would he would want to do to get rid of all of it, and and just implement his vision. Like I want to implement my this vision. I want to implement this plan. I don't want any distractions. I don't want a, another Batman. And then again, and also it also raises a question of like. Well, if if I can have an Elseworlds Batman movie, can you know you mentioned that they want to do the Michael B. Jordan version of Superman? Like, if if you want to do it, why why don't you just write that into the, your DC universe as a, since it's still in the development? Why make it an Elseworld? Like, why have other Elseworld topics? And then you know, and or why don't you have more Elseworld topics? Like, so I guess that's my point. Like, I just feel like just. Just have one vision and enact that one vision, and I think that's what I, that's why I worry. Warner Brothers is, is all about studio interference, and that's been the problem with the franchise to date. Is that Warner Brothers leadership cannot can never be hands off. They are always interjecting themselves into it. That's why Marvel's success is or Marvel's been more successful because Kevin Feige gets to be the guy. And there's no one telling Kevin Feige that you have to keep this thing going over here or you gotta do this thing over here like he makes all the decisions and that's what james gunn need that's what they need to empower james gunn to be is he gets to make all the decisions and he gets to like to enact his vision and get rid of all of this other chaff that's out there i think it's i think i said i i have faith that warner brothers says he is a ceo of DC Creative and his visions one going forward. Uh, I have faith that Warner Brothers is going to stand off a little bit and they're going to let him breathe and do what he got to do and what he wants to do. And Warner Brothers understands that, especially with his lineup, throwing up Creature Commandos, uh, The Authority, which is supposed to be more of a superhero, uh, it feels like superhero The Boys feel type thing that James Gunn is afraid to be bloody and stuff like that in his films. He's not and crude and stuff like that. He's but not. But I guess here's the thing though. I feel and, like so I, I think he's I think Marvel's gonna I think DC's gonna allow him to do it and like you said there's properties they they make money off they're not willing to say we're just gonna throw it away like no we still want to keep going with this until the money's gone. But here's we want to make we want to recoup our money. I get it. You want to make your money but I feel like here's the thing right like you mentioned that they're confident that, that that they're letting him do they're letting him put all these projects up and let him do his thing and be part of DC and own DC Creative, but if those don't do well, I feel like all they did was they 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 allowed they allowed themselves to grow another arm they can cut off, because like instead of instead of giving all of it to him, right? Like you are in control of all of DC and letting him like cut these things. I feel like let's say Matt Reeves is the next Matt Reeves Batman does all of the gets all the money does all the success but then you release the authority and it tanks it doesn't do well or let's see Joker 2 comes out it makes all the money all the success but then you release these TV shows and nobody watches them or they don't get good ratings you've created like you said you created competition right so I've got two competitors over here that did really well, and I did. I have a competitor over here who didn't do well. So like it, it's it's a, it's almost like a scapegoat. Like it's it. I, I so I feel like by 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 allowing yourself to have these other projects 
out there that you already have confidence in, you then you can just cut this off if it doesn't do well. It's like we'll let him try it. We're gonna we we've created this division, and he has all the latitude in the world to do well with it. But guess what? At the end of the day, we still fund this thing, and if this thing doesn't do well, well then that's just a limb we can get we can get rid of. I mean, I, I like I said, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying what you're saying is totally wrong, but two things can be right here because, yeah, DC is going to let him be creative because, like, they saw he has a track record of t- turning Guardians of the Galaxy, a series that no one knew about, characters we no one cared about, no one cared about Groot, no one cared about no Rocket Raccoon, and. He made them into a three-part miniseries, a three-part series of movies, and all spin-offs of their stuff. I'm not sitting here predicting the authority being the next coming of Jesus film. However, um, you know, Marvel's made bad films too. Thor one wasn't that good. Uh, I'm not denying Iron Man three wasn't good. So I mean, so these films, so there's other films on other side that don't do well. But he's gonna. But that's the that's the that's the marketing side. DC's got to figure out the timing. Right. They can't just be like bang, bang, bang. These can't release the films like bang, bang, bang. It's gonna be like they're gonna be seasons. There'll be a summer drop, winter drop, summer drop. DC uh, like that's why this year you're reading a lot of DC films, and that's where we're gonna run the issues because you got a film in March, you got another one in July, you got another one in August, you got another one in December. Like that um, Flash and Blue Beetle might get washed over unless it's a really fun film for kids to come out and see. Um, but you know, I'm going to see all four of them this year. Um, I can see myself doing that, but it's just definitely their their timing and understanding how much buzz their media presence to get the word out and bring give us that FOMO of going out to see this film. And that's what James Gunn's job is. I, to I do guess. I guess right now, I just, I just see. I just see two counterpoints, man, and that is like. You mentioned yes, Marvel has had some not so great films. They still do well, but they're just they're not great relative to some of the other ones. And that is, but at the end of the day, like Kevin Feige owns that, right? Like there's like he is the head of Marvel Studios, so like there's no like he doesn't have to worry about a monkey on his back. They was like, well, this one didn't do so great. I gotta worry about my job. No, he is the head of Marvel Studios, so like he he just, he owns that. He'll be like Roger. We learn from it. We move on. That's not the case here. And then the second part of that too is the second counterpoint is that um, you mentioned James Gunn's success with Guardians of the Galaxy, which is that's undisputable. I don't get uh, he those movies did very well. However, they were still under the guise of Kevin Feige. He Kevin Feige provided. I mean, James Gunn wrote it, but then the day that script has to go through Kevin Feige's approval. There, I guarantee you there were left and right limitations that were put upon him to make sure that his story can integrate into the overall picture. So while, yes, James Gunn writ, wrote and directed it and owns a lot of that success, at the end of the day, he has commander's intent. Kevin Feige basically is going to tell him like what – is going to give him boundaries, left and right limits of what he can and cannot do. So, uh, you know, so there's a – some of that success is also – Attributed to the fact that Kevin Feige has a vision, and he, there's are there's nothing to distract from that vision, and there's no one that can and and and, and there's no one that can that can derail that division because there's some some other Marvel thing out there that's competing against it. I guess is my point. Yeah, but that, again, that's that is what. But the Marvel thing that competes with it in there is. That Marvel, instead of what comes out to the big screen, goes to Disney Plus, and Disney Plus have put out some duds in the past year or so. So that's not necessarily a great example either, because yeah, these shows that Kevin Feige overlooking Supreme Ruler of Marvel overlooks bad projects that's been happening for the last year or so, um, uh, and in Marvel right now, and it's not drawing a good, re- it's not drawing a good track record of late, because the big heavy hitters are gone, and now he has to recoup, he has to start over and bring back the FOMO to get us back in the game with it, where I would say that maybe in a uh, football source sort of way, that maybe James Gunn has watched Kevin Feige from a distance, watching how he moved, how he controlled things, how he did things, 
how he had supreme control, having a vision, understanding where he want to go with stuff. He totally took all that knowledge and brought to DC and said, hey, look, that's what he does. That's what they do. I could do for you. I did it with him for 10 years. You know, I could do this, guys. Put some faith and trust in me to do this. He showed his vision. This is my vision for the next eight something years. This is chapter one of the movies we're dropping right here. And we're going to go from there. Some will be winners. Some will be losers. I got a TV series here. We're going to do some animated series. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I'm going to pick and choose what characters I want to keep and lose and yada, yada, da. I'm probably going to take characters from Marvel Universe that are well-known actors from over there. Bring them in my film because they like look working for me. It's going to be like that. But again, we're having a conversation about something that's still in DC year negative one. Well, yeah, but other you know what I mean. So not gonna, I think I, I like I said, I understand. We, I understand what you're saying. But that's why we do I, this. We wouldn't be podcasting if we were going to talk about things that haven't happened. That's the whole point of this is to think about that. Right, you know, and that's why stuff. I can't. I can't put. I can't. I can't live in a world where like you. You are. Uh, you're feeling that way, and I guess I can't because I need a. I have. I because I'm a DC fan, and I want to live in the idea that there is we're. I have a I I have a sense that James Gunn hasn't shown me wrong yet. You know okay. what I mean? Like I said, Peacemaker's been looking good. The Suicide Squad looks okay, good hey, too. Man, I don't, you know I don't what I mean? Like, I, I've, I, I've, I, like I think I think James Gunn is fantastic. I like everything he's done. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy. I really like Peacemaker. Like um, I like everything. I like the I, I liked it when he did um, Slither. You know, I, I mean, I, I like the things that he does. Don't get me Deep wrong. Cut. Yeah, I'm, but I just I my, my, I actually think I my opinion is that I think he is going to be. I think he's going to be constrained, and I think that – I think the fact that this Elseworld thing still exists demonstrates to me, I think, that he did – that that he has to demonstrate via these projects that he can be successful. And if not, then they're going to lean into other – these other projects and cut this limb. That I, That's just – I mean, maybe I'm being over dramatic. It just, but it, and I, you know what? And I, I you know what? And, bizarre, I, and, and from Warner Brothers, I respect gonna, that. I, find, I just find it bizarre that you would, if, if you had all the faith in the world in this individual to sh- write the ship, why do you continue to have these other projects? And if not, and if in, or and or uh, and or you tell you, you tell those folks that are doing that are running those projects, hey, you now need to go consult with James because you need to make sure that whatever you put out nests within whatever his vision is, and if it doesn't. Then we're going to defund your project, or we're going to, you know, we're going to change your project. Because I think it just—it's. Just, I find it bizarre that they, that they would just that they would do do this. Like like when 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 Lucasfilm was sold off and they and they had Star Wars, right? You know, they basically said like anything that existed before we own before Disney owned Star Wars, that is Star Wars Legacy. We if you want to read those books, you read those books, but they are not canon. You know, and if you or if you know, but and and but and Disney was smart enough to take components of those things and wrap them into their their Star Wars universe so that you know that the fans still had those items. But like, there was no hey, if you want to be a writer for Star Wars, you can go write your own book and do your own project, or you can go, you know, make your own movie. It, it was like, oh no, like if you're gonna write Star Wars now, you whatever you write has to be in our canon you know so that's why i think it's interesting that these thing other things exist but i i, I guess you know my final point is, you know without blaming this for too much longer i was thinking about this i was in the comic book store today and it's funny because i was as i was looking at the comics i, I started thinking i started inventorying in my head like how many comics i've bought in the last like you know maybe 10 months how many of them were like dc and how many of them were marvel and i started thinking to myself i wish the comics in print were as good as what DC put out because DC's comics in print are way better stories than what I've seen come out of Marvel recently and like in most like in most recent years. But then I, I flip that and I go, I, but I wish the DC like media was as good as what Marvel puts out. Like I feel like it's just interesting to see like in print DC I think is way more compelling. But it, when it comes to video. I think Marvel is more compelling, but I hope I hope that changes. I hope they level out. I hope there's equal that they they equal themselves at some point. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I have faith in James Gunn because in that in that uh, 
when he talked about the slate, he mentioned like the show. He mentioned like shows, movies, and he mentioned the idea where he get the idea from, and then he would mention the comic book series as well. So this man's reading the comics. He's getting engulfed with it, and he's trying to use that world perfectly. He's talking about with the Wonder Woman, uh, sorry, Superwoman. He did it with Superman and Batman. He talked about the comic books themselves. It's a creature, oh, yeah, no, 100%. The, the like, commando creatures, he talked about that as well. So he he mentioned all of these comics. So he's he's doing the research and stuff like that. I understand. And look, I understand exactly what you're talking about. But I think there's a certain level that Warner Brothers is that scorned lover as well. They've trusted somebody with their universe and then watch it turn tits up. And they're like, what are you supposed to do with this? Um, now we're left with like not making money and we're behind years. So I get why they're trying to do that. I think um, over time you'd probably see a difference. But like I said, I like the I like the element that DC is making actual movies that are they're making comic book movies. That's James Gunn, and then they're making masterpiece films that uh, Oscars will say this is great acting, this is great visual effects and stuff like that. And the Joker and the Matt Reeves films, because that's what you saw when you had the Batman done by Christopher Nolan. Yeah, well, Christopher think- Nolan was giving you that. I, well, you know I'd like what I mean? To, what I'd like to say, I mean, I, I like that. I, don't get me wrong. I, I like, you know, the what they're. I, I like those projects. I would actually, the way I would do it is, I would still put it under. I would put it under James Gunn, but I would label it uh, that division. I would label that division under James Black Label, because DC and print has what's called DC Black Label. The Black Label series of books that. That they're like your that's like your adult content. Those are these are stories that are like relatively explicit. Mm, I'm not saying from a yeah. like from a sexual standpoint, but just like like they've got it's like it's graphic novel it's, stuff. It's, they're like it's more gritty. It's more grit. There's there is there's there's murder. There's gore. There's language. Like these are dark dark stories that they're telling, and you know so like. I would say instead of having it Elseworlds with these other projects, I would say like that's a division under James, like that. Uh, so you can still have those stories, but and they and they kind of they're kind of autonomous and they're on their own thing. But you know, st- I still didn't that sh- they should be under his direction. Again, just because if you, he, if he's your guy, make him your guy. Like give him give him all of the stuff. So that's fair. That's fair. But um, anyway, we've come up on an hour, folks. This has been a great conversation. Um, you know, I mean, uh, I think it's no secret that I've always been on the naysayer or the pessimist, and, and Nick's always more of the optimist when we talk DC, and it's vice versa when we talk Marvel. I'm always the optimist, and Nick's always the pessimist. This true, you know, makes for lively discussion. But uh, with that, hey man, you got anything going on this week? Anything we should be looking for? Or anything? Staying warm. Staying warm out here. It is very cold. East Coast, uh, you know, so it's it's a real deal here. Mr. Figs are on the East Coast this year, this weekend, um, so it's different from coast to coast. We're actually figuring a lot East Coast. Um, yeah, exactly. So yeah, just trying to stay, trying to stay warm is the big thing here. And you got the Super Bowl coming up next weekend. Um, I got the Chiefs winning 27-21. Yeah. So I remember. So here's, I guess, my question to you, sir, is: Do we want to do a post? Super Bowl cast. We did it, you know, the one the the one year back in 2016. Uh, the you know, Ballad of Payton Manning. Um, you know, I mean, I know for you it'll be late, but for me it'll be you know late afternoon, early evening when it's over. Um, so, I, you know, you tell me what you think if you have something you're interested in. But you know, we can do the post game podcast and we can talk about the halftime show and talk about the game and everything else like we did the one that one time. So, yeah, we could do that. Yes, you want to do that? Let's do that. All right, let's do yes, that. Yes, sir. Then. All right, so we'll plan for folks. We're gonna plan for a post game podcast. Um, you know, we'll give our perspectives on how it went on the show's highlights. You know, Rihanna, it's Rihanna, right? Is doing the yes, halftime show. Is. So I, you know, it's... she's got. I tell you, it's always funny to me when you have to be the halftime show after a really good halftime show because last year's L.A. halftime show was amazing. <laughs> so like all that talent on stage together. You know, doing those early 2000 hits, like, I'm not, you know, that was pure gold. So, Rihanna's got, 
you know, she's got to have to step it up. Yeah, with Dre, Snoop, Kendrick. Yeah. They had freaking 50 Cent upside down on stage. It was a real yeah. deal last year. Yeah. Yeah. Mary J. Blige. Like, they, they had all, all, that was that, that was at time was, that halftime show was gold. So, um, good luck, Rihanna. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. That's a tough one. That's a tough follow up. Yeah. No lie. That's a tough one. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, hey, man. Uh, that, with that being said, I'm Mr. Figs. And I'm Mr. Locke. Hey, everybody. Enjoy your week. Stay blessed.